politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz. Back here today, Wednesday, the 21st of September, the first full day of fall. But for us, we are facing more of a nuclear winter. A nuclear winter of endless death shots, biomedical surveillance and mandates, social credit scores, monthly driving limits, microchip, cashless payments, where we have a limited amount of money that's allotted to us through digital currency, climate change passports, vaccine passports, a personal and really, I mean, a personal CO2 tracker, but also trackers on our cars, our houses, facial recognition, digital ID, central bank digital currency. We are entering the new dark age where the progressives are the ultimate regressives, where the standard of living goes back to hell, where life expectancy is sliding back. Like I said, life, liberty, and property, it's all of it, but in a way we could have never imagined. It makes yesterday's battles for liberty, including the original one, in 1776, appeared to be nothing. Looked like a smokescreen, child's play. And what is the answer? Nobody else is trying to come up with a strategy to deal with this, other than vote Republican in a general election. But the reason why Republicans are literally no better than Democrats, and in fact, by electing them as the fake opposition it boxes out a real opposition and quells the desire of the public to fight the status quo because they think, oh, well, the more conservative people are going along with this, it must mean it's right, as opposed to if you only had the left in charge. It's actually worse. And I want to explain that to you today through the prism of the theme that big business and big defense, national security defense, They're the albatrosses around our necks. They're the albatrosses that define the Republican Party. And therefore, they are why we will never come to a resolution and have a movement or a party that represents us and solves any of this. This is what you need to understand. It's not a matter of a bunch of blue-haired, wild-eyed, leftist Antifa guys that are running the show because then everyone looks at Republicans and they say, well, Daniel, they might not be as you know good as you want them to be, but they can't be quite as bad as the left, right? Because they don't give off the appearance of you know an Antifa leftist. But what they are is they are they, they are literally butt boys for the big business and, and defense establishments. Even more so than the Democrats are. Once you understand that, and you understand that everything, all of the aforementioned dystopian items that I opened the show with, that we're confronted with, are coming from them. We think, oh, it's the greenies, it's the transgenders, it's the you know welfare crowd. I mean, it's all of that. But the rudder behind it that's empowering it and the the wheel that's steering it is big business and big defense because of years of unconstitutional governance and market distortions and subsidies mandates that we didn't succeed it's not like oh you know we were defeated the last couple of years and now we don't follow the constitution we haven't been following constitution forever and certainly the last number of decades that created a system that's worse than pure socialism Because it allows this autonomous defense network and big business network to work as one with government without any transparency and impose all this stuff as if the government's doing it and they are doing it, but it's not apparent to people and you can't vote it out. That is what Republicans will never fight back against. And I'm going to give you a vivid example in the news that almost nobody is talking about. A Senate vote last night or yesterday that almost nobody is talking about 
that embodies the fact, as we've been talking about the last couple of days, that not only won't Republicans fight against the worst issues confronting us, even the ones that on the surface, at least rhetorically, Republicans seem to be on the right side of, but actually quietly in the way it matters, they're really making it even worse. So not only don't they hold up budget bills and must pass bills and make demands, no, they actually pass new bad legislation. First, I want to start out with this quote from Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock. He is you know, one of the top transhumanist ESG guys. He said this on Bloomberg a little while ago on what he wants from the world. Take, take, take a listen right here. Uh, uncertainty. Markets don't like uncertainty. Markets like actually totalitarian governments where you have a uh, understanding of what's out there and obviously we're uh, the whole dimension is changing now with uh, as you said a democratization of uh, of countries and and democracies are very messy as we know in the united states uh, you have opinions changing back and forth so he's saying markets like totalitarian governments they like totalitarian governments Things are too unpredictable in democracies. And obviously, we don't believe in democracy either. Uh, we believe in, in representative republics, but he means the same thing for that too. Markets like totalitarian governments. This is what people don't understand. Big business, he, he's espousing the view of big business, but it's also the view of big defense and national security, which I'm sure he's roped into as well because it's become one. If you think about it, they, in order to achieve efficiency of what they want, you want to make people, as much as you can, like chess pieces on a board. Hence, the digital currency, the scarcity, the control, the QR codes, the tracking, the surveillance. Freedom is an obstacle to their agenda. Now again... It doesn't mean that business and national defense can't work together with freedom. You need them on some level. But the point is, for the last 40 years, we haven't had a free market because of all the welfare, Medicare, Medicaid. Certainly, you understand in healthcare, we've done many shows explaining why we don't have a free market. But it's true of most other big industries. So because we have that system that has been built, that's unbridled by the Constitution— They actually control us in a worse way than the way you view typical socialist government. And again, they're at the tip of the spear. Tip of the spear for this. That is why you need to understand. Republicans view anything that big business wants or the national defense industry wants as their top priority. This is why Republicans won't get off of Ukraine. No matter how harmful it is, no matter how much you're inducing an energy crisis by perpetuating the war and not giving in to Russia's demands, which they have no choice but to do anyway and they will do at some point anyway, no matter how much it's clear that the money we're spending is going into a black hole, that that we're not advancing anything, we're not achieving anything, we have no strategic vision, we're getting the worst of all outcomes— And Republicans deep down are starting to realize that, but they will never buck the national defense establishment. Did you know that um, it's actually Republicans that are demanding that they pass the defense authorization bill? Typically, once they pass the CR budget bill, you know, because the fiscal year ends September 30th, in an election year, they're out. They're done. The whole October, they're out. They're actually going to come back for one session to pass the NDAA. Republicans are demanding it. Rather than saying, we are going to hold this up until we have the following demands on the military, no green energy, no transgenderism, no surveillance of the American people through the NSA, um, obviously all the biomedical fascism and the mandates, none of that. They will not demand any of that. Because Republicans are bought out by that. They don't understand that big business and big defense are the most potent weapons in the world. And they've been captured. They've been captured by the bad guys. So you can't use your muscle memory from the Reagan era to continue espousing a 
favorable view of the national security agencies and, and big business as an end to itself, as if nothing has changed, you have to realize you need to blow it up and rebuild a true free market society. We don't have that. Everything we have, all these monopolies in every major industry is built off the socialism. Well, Daniel, I don't like telling business what to do do, or you know, pushing mandates on mandates. Yeah, but for 40 years, we allowed them to pass, and that created this monopoly, and now they control our lives. So what are you going to do about it? So I want to get to the big news story that you'll ne- not hear probably anywhere else. But we focus like a hawk on the things that matter. We focus on what goes on in Congress when no one's paying attention. So we're going to get to this. But first, as I give you a 2020 vision on politics, on freedom, make sure you can actually see straight and actually not support big business while you're at it. Better Spectacles is America's only conservative eyewear company. They import authentic Rodenstock eyewear, which is really the gold standard in the industry. Rodenstock scientists use biometric research to measure the eye in over 7,000 points. And rather than using it to make you transhuman, they actually produce a good product with it. Biometric intelligence glasses gives you a seamlessly natural experience that works perfectly with your brain, gives you the sharpest distance at all visions. For people like me who are severely nearsighted, you will see up to 40% better than with typical frames. So if you want to get what I have and my whole family now has, go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to schedule a teleoptical appointment so you don't even need to leave your home. You could, you know, they have the technology to read out your prescription now online. Go big with biometrical intelligence glasses. They're offering 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted rodentstock frames. Uh, we always like copying Ronald Reagan. Well, Reagan himself wore rodentstock. Go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative. Again, that's betterspectacles.com slash conservative. <clears throat> So, did you know that last night a treaty passed the Senate? A UN international treaty to take the worst elements of the war the war on energy on vital goods and services and it pours lighter fluid on it. 17 Republicans voted to ratify this treaty. There was a UN treaty last night. That li- meaning, so not only aren't they holding up the budget bill to say we are not passing this until you repeal that big Build Back Better bill with the green energy mandates and all that stuff, and the IRS agents too, and we you know take off all the impediments to nuclear, coal, natural gas, not just the production but the pipelines and the storage and all the things that are causing the increase in rates and Ukraine funding of that stupid war, which is also part of it, and the stupid maniacal war on Russia, which makes no sense, you know, in the world we live in today. I'm sorry, that's just the reality. It doesn't make you pro-Russia. It's just, it's just a stupid strategy from a position of weakness. You know, again, there's one thing. If they, we did everything we're supposed to be doing for energy-wise the last 20 years, then, you know, you tell the Russians to go to hell, fine. But the way we are now, it's just going to bring pain to the people. It's not going to bring pain to Russia. But not only didn't they do any of that, they actually voted to destroy one of the most important products at a time when electricity is skyrocketing, when electricity is going to be a bigger crisis than even gasoline. They voted to invoke cloture on the Kigali Amendment, K-I-G-A-L-I Amendment. Look it up. It's an amendment to the Montreal Protocol. Montreal Protocol was a 1987 treaty designed to cut down on certain chemicals such as chlorofluorocarbons that supposedly, you know, were harmful to the ozone layer. It's funny, you don't hear about the ozone layer anymore, but that was the original thing before global warming. Um, And, you know, a lot of us remember it when we were younger. That was the big thing, and of course it filled in. Now they might say, oh, it's because of the Montreal Protocol. Yeah, right. China never followed it. The, The big countries never did. But the point is that they they ended um they they wanted to stop these chemicals so in air conditionings they stopped using chlorofluorocarbons and they started using um hydro uh carbons or uh, sorry hydrofluorocarbons let's call it hfcs 
These are literally the chemicals that make the coolants work in your air conditioning. Because that's what we use. Um, and some of you might have noticed I had this earlier this year where I felt the air conditioning wasn't working optimally. So I got more Freon. And man, was it expensive. Well, it turns out they've been lowering the amount of HFCs put in and filling it with other garbage like everything else that's, that doesn't work as well and it's more expensive. So at its core, one of the things we've been facing over this generation is this, this dark age of regression is products that are more expensive, work less, break quicker, and that's what you can't. And now we just have a scarcity. So basically, this is a problem with appliances. Now you know they're going after food, they're going after fuel, they're going after protein, they're going after medicine. Well, what's what's another big vital thing? Well, one of the greatest inventions ever was air conditioning. I mean, we all know that air conditioning is everything. And importantly, it's not just in your own home, but think about any store, commercial establishment, or industrial plant. You know, in order to work, you need air conditioning. So what the Kigali Amendment does is it says not only are the chlorofluorocarbons banned, but it basically makes you reduce 85% of hydrofluorocarbons by 2045. But the U.S. is a special country. They're adopting it by 2036, 10 years before China and India, okay, and and. They'll never adopt it, but even on paper, we're giving them a 10-year heads up. So you understand what that means. You understand what they're trying to do. So Republicans are all saying, oh, we're, we're not for this Build Back Better agenda, the green agenda. We need to have more fossil fuels. We need to have more of this. And then they vote to approve a treaty. 17 Republicans, 17 Republicans. Okay, that's almost, that, that, that's more than a third of the Republicans, they vote to make air conditioning more scarce, more expensive, and probably less efficient at a time when electricity, we're already you know, facing a huge crisis in the winter. You cannot make this stuff up. It's like they promise to fight the green energy stuff, and then they, they, they do the worst possible thing on the worst policy in the worst way at the worst time. Roy Blunt, Bozeman from Arkansas, Burr from North Carolina, Capito from West Virginia, Cassidy from Louisiana, Collins from Maine, Ernst from Iowa, Graham from South Carolina, Grassley from Iowa, Hyde Smith from Mississippi, Kennedy, jerk off, from Louisiana. He's, a, he's this fake folksy guy. Oh, I'm folksy. He's, a, he's another leftist. Moran from Kansas. Notice all these red states. Murkowski from Arkansas, Portman from Ohio, Romney from Utah, Rubio from Florida, and Young from Indiana. But it's worse than that, folks. It's not like the ones that opposed it spoke out emphatically against it, and it's not like leadership like uh, McConnell, Thune, and Cornyn aren't on the list, but they didn't whip against it to my knowledge. And notice something interesting. How many Democrats are there? 50. How many votes do you need to approve a treaty? Well, 67. Notice there's exactly 17 Republicans. They do that all the time. They have just enough to screw us. So again, my point is it's even worse than what the 17 indicates. McConnell is in full support of it. He just didn't vote for it. Okay? So like everything else, it's not like, okay, there's like a third of the Republicans in the Senate are bad. It's all but a few are bad. Now, ultimately, they didn't get 67 votes. They got 64 because a couple of three Democrats were absent, but... They just happen to be absent, and again, this is this is cloture on the motion to proceed with ratification. So it's like any other cloture motion. You only need 60, right? And they got 64, so they got it. Then once they're ready to vote for the actual treaty, they'll make sure they have all the Democrats there. They have it. They literally have it. So forever, air conditioning will be more expensive. And again, you're going to pay for this. It, just like we talk about gasoline, don't think about your car or electricity in your home. Think about every commercial and industrial establishment and think about the trickle-down effect on every good and service you could ever imagine. You know, you know they want this. You know they want this control over you. They got it now. This is a big deal. No one else will talk about this. Senate, a, a, an international treaty just passed. I mean, it didn't technically pass yet, but it will pass. The cloture motion, they have all the votes they need. 
And there you go. And by the way, what this is going to do is it's going to make sure that all the uh, factories located in China will have access to cheap and plentiful HFCs long after the supplies dried up here because they don't they didn't sign on to it until 2045. The U.S. is the single largest contributor to a U.N. fund that will assist China and other developing nations with compliance. So we're going to be giving China an unfair advantage and sending them taxpayer dollars. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And by the way, by the way, there was a 2019 study in Nature that showed that China was never complying with the original Montreal Protocol. They had trichlorofluoromethane uh, emissions all over eastern China from their factories. Uh, they never abided by it, and they never will. But we know that. But here's the important thing. You might be asking, Daniel, why? Why would Republicans support this? Why would they support it? And the answer is very simple. Because do you know who supported this? Big business, National Association of Manufacturers. Who's in the air conditioning business? Honeywell. They support this. This is how you don't have a free market. See, in a free market, government wouldn't be able to ban things, mandate things, mandate certain levels, but they do. So you might think, oh, well, the industries will be up in arms. No, they want expensive products because they're already at the top of the hill. They made it. They have a monopoly. So yeah, in a free market, if they start with stupid products, other people would break, break through and have you know, dishwashers and, and dryers that actually work. Okay, people would, would innovate. But just like with healthcare, government has made it with these mandates and restrictions and subsidies and endless market distortions that you can't break into the market. So the government gives them a monopoly. They're happy to do business this way. That's what venture socialism is. They make money off of carbon credits, off of off of the mandates. They'll make a market out of that, a submarket out of socialism. This is why those who worship big business nowadays, you're actually worshiping socialism. It needs to be burned down and built from scratch. Government has a monopoly on the printing press, on the Federal Reserve, on money, on crime, on surveillance, on law. They can do anything they want to you. And again, National Security, CIA, they can, same thing. They could do whatever they want. You can't compete with it. They can open up Moderna and EcoHealth Alliance and all these startups and do all this stuff that the free market would never support, but now we have to contend with it. But Republicans are, they worship it. Senator Kennedy from Louisiana, people think he's good. He's in bed with Honeywell. That's why he supported it. The Washington Post wrote, an, uh, wrote a piece on this, and they, they were crowing about it. It's rare for a climate change measure to win full-throated support from industry groups, environmental activists, and lawmakers from both sides of the aisle. But that's the thing. It's actually not rare. They'll fight rhetorically, but on the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter, all those pivotal things. If you look back as to why energy is the way it is, Republicans supported all the wind and solar mandates and funding. Republicans supported the ethanol mandate that was done under Bush. All the things that got us to where we are in the energy market today. The Republicans supported the global warming agenda. Like everything else, when it gets really extreme, they'll rail against it a little bit, but then they'll even continue to support new things, much less resolve to roll back the old ones. Everywhere you turn on any policy that matters, crime, illegal immigration, out of control, legal immigration, um, spending, welfare, corporate welfare, green energy, biomedical fascism, the biggest, most pivotal legislation or often non-legislation, you know, bureaucratic policies, it had bipartisan support. That's the problem. It's one party. And Republicans give them cover. And this is, this is a relatively small thing, although it's going to be extremely impactful. They, they, they support even bigger things. This at its core is what we talked about last week with uh, Kevin Stitt, the um, Oklahoma governor. He supports 
where the investments are. And he's like, look, the investments are where the green energy is. So he's making Oklahoma's grid dependent on wind and solar and then promoting electric vehicles that will drain electricity even more at a huge cost. And you get nothing for it. So you might look at Republicans and they might not appear ideologically to support the left, the left's agenda as much as they do on some issues. But it doesn't matter because the power structure guiding this is either big business or big defense. And it's usually both. And Republicans are even more, you know, in bed with them with a sodomite like relationship that you can't pry them off them. That's the truth about it. And then you go on to COVID and you see the same thing. And in fact, when it comes to COVID and vaccines, Republicans support big business, not just, I, I, I think not just from business, but even from an ideological standpoint, more from the Democrat, more than Democrats do. So one of the things that anyone should be observing is that Biden gave Republicans a kill shot on COVID fascism. He literally let the cat out of the bag. He said, the pandemic's over. Now, any Republican in an ideal world, you would have Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and every Republican governor have a joint press conference and say, it's over with. It's quite clear that, you know, Omicron is attenuated. Most people already got the virus. It's not deadly anymore. Um, the vaccines aren't working and they're largely problematic. We need to, you know, start investigating what went wrong. But at first, we need to end all the emergency acts and policies and executive orders. We need to end the PrEP Act. We need to stop funding Pfizer and we need to start investigating it. He gave them the perfect out. And the White House was even scared that they let the cat out of the bag. So they sent Fauci on out to walk it back. And the White House has to put out a statement. But Republicans didn't even pursue them. I mean, Thomas Massey did, but yeah, whoop-de-doo, Chip Roy, these guys. But none of the ones that have the power. But it's worse than that. You want to know why Republicans aren't doing it? Because they believe in COVID fascism more than Biden does. So Biden said, yeah, I think it's over with. Governor Jim Justice, the allegedly Republican governor of West Virginia, he criticized Biden from the left. He wasn't bothered by, wait a minute, if it's over with, why are we doing this? He said, you better not say it's over with. You better not end the vaccines. We need them. This is from WCHS-TV in uh, Charleston. You know, I want to be super respectful to the presidency of the United States, West Virginia Governor Jim Justice said, but it's just crazy land in my book. Do you think about all the crazy things, immoral, inhumane things this man has done? And his administration on food, fuel, medical fascism, destroying lives, killing millions of people. And he, he's like, I want to be respectful. He doesn't want to criticize him on anything. The one thing he's criticizing him is for saying the pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're doing a lot of work on it. If you notice, no one's, you know, um, well, no, no, that was, that was Biden's comment. I don't think the pandemic's over, Justice said. I think we can live with this pandemic, but the more people we get get across the finish line and get vaccinated, the better we'll be able to live with the pandemic. But it's not over. It's absolutely not over. Could you imagine that? He is straight up. He is more emphatically in support of the biomedical state of the vaccines than Joe Biden is. The man who represents a state in which... Democrats have not carried a single county in a presidential election in 22 years. That's how much Republicans subvert us and give the Democrats victories on things they could never get alone. And again, it's not just an anomaly. Most Republican governors believe in that. They are still maniacally pushing fourth and fifth shots, even the new booster that... What, that even Paul Offit from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, one of the members of the Vaccine Advisory Committee, one of the inventors of the um, rotavirus vaccine. I mean, he was one of the biggest vaccinators in the history of the world, Paul Offit. Even he is like, whoa, this is getting out of hand. I can't support this. And yet Republicans, Republicans, I, I, I promise you this. 
from all my years of experience, electing bad Republicans is worse than electing Democrats. They block our ability to fight something and elicit opposition and build a better movement. They ensure Democrats could pass things without assuming the full liability, which they never want to do, or rarely want to do. This is the point. Republicans support big business. Big business and big defense are the lead ships in the armada pushing this stuff, but also the ones with the clout and power and resources to implement their agenda in every corner of this earth. Republicans are closer with them than Democrats are. Democrats, at some point, if they feel it's a liability with the people, they'll back off a little bit. Republicans, no. They'll, they'll be like, we're, we're going to go full bore. This is how you could have a scenario where the, the public could say, I want Republicans, I want you to stop this. I want you to stop this. I want you to stop the open borders. And they, they won't take yes for an answer. This is how we had for 10 years a crime bubble was rising because of criminal justice reform. And rather than Republicans holding them accountable, Republicans supported it more passionately. Every Republican governor, every Republican legislature. It's not until now when they see it's an easy talking point, they'll kind of indulge it a little bit. But even then, never do anything policy-wise that matters. This is what Republicans are. ONS data. Office of National Statistics from uh, the UK. They estimated that since the beginning of the pandemic, there have been 89,253 non-COVID excess deaths at home. A 30% increase over the five-year baseline. 89,253 excess deaths. If you multiply by five for the, you know, to... Um, scale it to the U.S. population, that would be 446,000. In the European Union, excess deaths reached new highs in July. Excess mortality is now up 15.8%, the equivalent to 53,000 excess deaths in just one month compared to the same month in the years 2016 to 2019. Why? July? Why? COVID has broadly not been deadly, What's it from? 15.8% excess deaths. Do you, this is a holocaust. And yet Republicans, with the exception of DeSantis, he's the only governor, every other governor is a communist animal, and a handful of House members, and then Ron Johnson in the Senate, maybe Rand Paul, they literally support the vaccines to this day, even more than the Democrats do. This is what it is. I I just, man, I'm, I'm going to blow a gasket here, so we better get to our guest today <laughs> um, to, to delve a little bit further into the COVID part of this. We talked a lot about big business. I want to talk about big national security, defense, intel, and their role in this. So I want to bring into this discussion one of our favorites from the COVID era, which, by the way, ain't over, uh, Thomas Renz. Thomas Renz is kind of the lawyer equivalent of Pierre Corey and Peter McCullough on the medical side. So many people needed lawyers. We had our rights totally infringed upon. Um, no one did anything about it with very few people standing up, but more than just defending rights, he's also used his law practice. And by the way, you could find it at rens-law.com to put out a lot of information. So to fight the policy political side, as well as the legal side, this is very, very important because this is an information warfare. And he has come out with another big bombshell. We've had Dr. Andrew Huff on the show before. Uh, he's representing Dr. Huff, and he has a 10-page sworn declaration from him describing his work at EcoHealth Alliance and why he thinks it was set up by the government, funded by the government. What sort of involvement did the government have in the creation of this virus? 
because of what we're talking about with transhumanism, with the war on food and fuel, everything, you have to understand the source of where the Great Reset is coming from. And it's not just a bunch of anarchist leftists. I mean, maybe they land in the same place and they kind of are, but this is big business and big defense, big intel, big national security. So this is what is going to shock you. Most Republicans at this point, well, not even most, but a good number of them hate Fauci. Okay, so they, they, they don't like Fauci. But is Fauci really the lead ship in this armada or is it something much more powerful? So with us today, backed by popular demand, is none other than Thomas Renz. Thomas, thanks so much for joining us today on Short Notice. No, I'm glad to be here, Daniel. It's so important that we get this out to everyone in the universe, because this is the transition, right? This report is the transition that we need. The Republicans have made Fauci an issue, so we delivered Fauci to them on a silver platter with this. So now everybody listening needs to give those reports to, to, you know, the good guys, the Rand Pauls, the Ron Johnsons, but then they need to ask them, what are you going to do with it? Right. You've got Fauci on a silver platter, but guess what else we have in there? More importantly than Fauci, I would argue, are the connections, because as you said, if Fauci's a crook, then someone must have bought him off. And who did that? Who paid for him? And the connections to some of these different groups, they need to be investigated. Now, for legal purposes, I got to make clear, I'm not suggesting that Google or the Rockefeller Foundation or the Wellcome Trust or all these necessarily did anything wrong, but we have six and a half million people dead from COVID. SARS-2 was created in a lab in Wuhan, China, in a lab where we knew that they didn't have proper safety protocols, and it was funded by all sorts of groups, including it appears that our intelligence community was aware and may have even had a hand in funding this. So the question, the question is one of accountability. You know, what, what role did these big businesses, did the World Economic Forum types, the George Soros types, and what role did our Defense Department intelligence community play in this? And let me be clear, our soldiers are heroes. But there's a big bureaucracy in charge of them. Yep. They're not the ones calling the shots at Fort Detrick and everywhere else. And the reality no. is that you have all these startup companies that come out of nowhere. We see all these, you know, uh, pandemic intelligence, predicting surveillance insurance companies and Metabiota, EcoHealth lines. So it's specifically about EcoHealth. Because Andrew Huff was, for a brief period, a VP there, worked under Peter Daszak, and he is signing a sworn declaration. What's the need of this sworn declaration? What's the punchline about EcoHealth? What, what do people need to know about EcoHealth, and what do you plan on doing with it? Well, we're going to have a lawsuit. Uh, that's that's under underway. We're getting ready to launch that, and you, I'll give you details on that as soon as it's actually filed, because some of it we don't want public until it's filed. But... The, you know, EcoHealth, they created this in the lab in Wuhan. Now, the, the kind of the important thing about the declaration is this. So you've got a guy who worked there who is a combat vet who has a Ph.D. in environmental epidemiology, has a master's in security, worked at Sandia Labs has dealt with harassment like most people can't fathom since he started talking about this. And despite all of that, he's spoken out. He's had the courage to go on record under penalty of perjury. Okay. So when Andrew Huff approaches me about this, I get a lot of whistleblowers that come forward with a lot of stuff. And frankly, some of it's garbage. Some of it, you know, I don't know if it's, so we have to verify everything 10 different ways. And this was, this is what we did. So we went through and we verified every single thing we could from as many different angles as possible. And so with Huff's declaration, we have 133 citations in a report that we did. The purpose of the report was to corroborate and to facilitate an understanding of what Huff was saying. You know, okay, so Huff is saying they created this. Well, we need some context. We need some information. So we put this all into one package so that, the, so that the Republicans who've been speaking about this, there's no, there is no excuse 
for them not to do something with this. Okay, they have more than enough to show that Fauci, uh, Fauci, I believe, perjured himself in front of Congress. That's about as clear as day in this. And also that he funded, in conjunction with lots of others, EcoHealth's work that resulted in the creation of this disease that's killed 6.5 million people. 6.5 million. Now, meanwhile, we just saw the political report about the four uh, uh, NGOs that, that basically ran COVID, and two of them are related to the Gates Foundation. So what we see, and do we really think that the Gates Foundation didn't make money off of COVID? Let's be realistic about that. Let's look at their investments. Let's look at whether Bill Gates has ever had any money that he's made off of vaccines, right? Um, you know, Google. When everybody was sitting at home and couldn't do anything but use Google, did Google make any money? Yeah, I mean, in, what, in other words, what did what, they know? When the, did they the know dots it? that are painted by this, and it's like a 40-page brief in it is is andrew's 10 page declaration again rens-law.com it's on the front page there lots of good information there because again you're fighting the political battle as much as the legal battle because it's really both um to the average republican even the better ones they think yeah it wasn't natural it was created in a chinese lab but to the average republican and voter and anyone that it is may as well be natural because it's like yeah there's nothing i can do about that the chinese are bad and the chinese do that what this demonstrates is isn't it more of an american virus than a chinese virus it just happened to be that's where they they physically did the uh, creation of it I would argue that the China, the Chinese, that we transferred the technology to the Chinese Communist Party so that they could develop bioweapons, so that they could do this sort of work. You know, they used some of the top technology we had in our country in the Wuhan lab for genetic manipulation and engineering with this. I mean, this is some of the most complex stuff out there. And we decided to export that to China to work in a lab. Now, China's been talking about using bioweapons against the U.S. since the 90s. And, you know, this is one of the most important points there is. So, you know, we have all sorts of evidence that, that the intelligence community was acutely aware of EcoHealth's work. Well, are you going to tell me that they were aware of EcoHealth's work? They, you know, apparently supported some of it, but didn't realize that EcoHealth was transferring this incredibly dangerous and incredibly high-end technology to a lab in China that the Communist Party had full access to? I mean, yes, this was absolutely done through, through, with and through American companies and with and through corrupt officials in the American government. Now, I can't say that the entire government's behind it, but there are officials in our government yeah. who are most certainly corrupt and who were involved in this, a.k.a. Anthony Fauci um, and others. And, you know, there's no question that there's an issue. The question is, why do we not have a Nuremberg 2.0 type investigation? Yes. Why do we not have, uh, you know, special prosecutors appointed to dig into yes. what's happened? But here's the thing. They need to be legit. We can't appoint some crook prosecutor who's going to do a half-hearted job because they don't want to be controversial. This needs to be true. There are 6.5 million dead from COVID and unknown millions dead from, from the, the secondary parts of COVID, the hospitals, the vaccines, the suicides and deaths from the lockdowns. I mean, who knows what the total death toll is on this, but... And they just want to walk away from it. Well... You know, we've got we've had almost a year of nonstop investigation on January 6th, where one person got shot by police. Six and a half million as a base number for death on COVID, and they're afraid to talk about it. And no one wants to pursue I it. Know. I mean, I, I and what I find amazing about this is because uh, what what Andrew Huff is really pointing people's attention to is say, hey, a lot of people are focused on Fauci and NIH. But you you might want to take a look at DOD and its sphere yes. and CIA and its sphere. And what I find amazing is that you know increasingly we're finding that more problems are emanating from our defense intel apparatus than anything yes. else, whether it's the biomedical 
uh, state, whether it's the surveillance state, whether it's uh, even the transgenderism and green energy. I mean, everything. They're all into that. And Republicans begged the Democrats to come back. They're actually going to come back from their campaign trail um, after the, you know, fiscal year deadline sometime in October, maybe the second week of October, to pass the FY 2023 National Defense Authorization Act. And they're going to authorize $847 billion for defense programs, $44 billion more than even Biden's request. That's the Republican uh, fingerprints on it without saying, hey, we're going to prohibit gain of function, we're going to prohibit you know, we're going to investigate some of your development of biotech. Nothing. not Blank check. So they think, oh, it's a conservative thing to go and fund the military and everything. You're actually funding more of this with a blank check without any restrictions, any desire to investigate. So this is about keeping the issue alive that you cannot walk away from. Where did this come from? Who was behind it? And what more is in the pipeline that we need to worry about and therefore how we shut this down. So obviously this is very important. Um, if yeah. you could talk a little bit about Andrew Huff personally, he's been on the show twice and described in pretty great detail how he is alleging either the FBI or CIA or some combo um, has been surveilling his rural home and property constantly watching him has broken into his home tased his dog um uh took all, yeah. some materials you know so again you as a lawyer have to verify that could you tell us any update and and your confidence in what went on there and what you believe did and did not happen well i gotta tell you when huff starts talking to me about this stuff and when he started talking to me about this stuff quite some time ago I thought he was nuts. <laughs> so I did. I mean, who, who would believe that? Now, I, I will give you that, listen, the information he's got is more than explosive, and it's one of the greatest conspiracies of all time. So if there was ever going to be a time someone was going to go overboard on harassment, it would be with him. Here's what I know. I've been to his property. His property is as rural and isolated as you could possibly have. To get to his house, you have about a third of a mile of gravel road that you've got to go down with marsh on one side that you, you just couldn't get through in any way, shape, or form, and very, very dense forest on the other that you also couldn't get to. You can't get to his house by accident. You can't. There's no traffic at where his house is. There's no road post to it. There is nothing. Okay, so no one and nothing are on his property by accident. Um, we've got, I've seen pictures of, of side-by-sides on this property. We've got pictures of, of these drones and the drones. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I'm not an expert on that sort of thing, but you know, why would that be? I was at his house. He showed me evidence of the break-in. I've got pictures of things that he sent me. Um, I've talked to people in the community who, who have witnessed this. I, you know, I went through everything that I could go through. Now, you know, while I was, and I will tell you this, while I was there, if anybody's ever heard a drone, they have a very distinct sound. They sound like a, like a, like a bug if they're buzzing by you, you know, it's like this really weird sound. I heard while I was at his property, but did not see something that sounded like a drone. Now, can I say for sure that that was what it was? No, I didn't see it. But it had a, that very distinct buzzing sound that you hear when you hear a drone. So I've done everything that I can do to verify it. Um, and, you know, do you have a picture of an individual? Andrew, did, did, was any individual ever caught on on his surveillance cameras? Uh, we ha I've seen some pictures that are a little bit they're a little bit blurry. Um, it looks to me like the like that's the case. Um, He's, he's had some different things that, that look like that. You know, it, it, to me, I, I think that, I think that he has experienced a level of harassment that most of us can't fathom. Mm. And, you know, I mean, listen, 
I can't prove that it's the FBI. I can't prove that it's the intelligence community. What I can tell you is that, you know, after doing my due diligence, yes, I believe he was harassed. I believe he has continued to be harassed. Um, and is it because is he's alleging probably- to have worked with them and had had that conversation with Peter Daszak? Because, I mean, everyone else is pointing the finger at EcoHealth and has been for for two years. Yeah. So, you know, well, he's a firsthand witness. Uh-huh. You know, it's a different thing. You know, he was in the conversation. And I think that there's a lot of push to try and discredit him. You know, they want to discredit him because he's he's as good a witness. I mean, the guy's a combat vet. The guy is a, a, a patriot. Yeah. He's, you know, the guy's a hero. And, you know, he's at great personal expense been pushing this relentlessly with no deviation in his story for, I don't know, a, a year plus. You know, I mean. Like I said, so that's why we that's why we approach it like this, right? Because what's been the reception uh, from Republicans in Congress? Have you have you heard back from anyone? So we we released this to a couple people last week, and we're sending it out to more people this week. So I haven't had time yet where I think that they have to respond to us or anything like that. Um, I am hoping, and I've made public, very public offers to help them in their investigation in any way possible for free. We'll take care of it. I'll even raise money to travel uh, to cover my expenses. Not only will I do it free, I will raise money to cover my expenses that are involved in this and Andrews. So there's it's the offers on the table. We put it together in a nice little package with a bow on it because you know what we did also was I felt like they were going to try and make uh, discredit Huff or attack him. So we did the 133 citation report to go along with it that, that, that bolsters everything he said. So, you know, that way they couldn't, if we had just came out and offered his declaration, it was incredibly compelling and put together by a guy who's a hero. So that should have stood. But I've seen how shady these people are. I've seen how shady the other side is. They, they have no, no qualms about going after people. So we, instead of just putting that out, I spent months working with Make Americans Free Again and experts all over the place getting this stuff together so that we had a very cohesive report that we could put with us. Um, so at the end of the day, you, even if you want to question Huff, the report bolsters everything he says and the report yeah. is publicly available information it's cited it's there you know i, I so, find it astounding know. i find it astounding that it's only like ron johnson Rand paul couple others um that that here you have i mean again like you said 6.5 million just from the virus alone we had a few thousand killed from 9-11 pearl harbor we had major commissions and Republicans love commissions because they don't, you know, it's not even a promise to do anything. So usually they like hearings yeah. and things like that because they don't necessarily have to do yeah. anything about it. Kevin McCarthy is not even promising the biggest thing in the history of America to to investigate who is behind it, where did it come from, the response to it, who, who you know, who planned that out. Um, I mean, at, at a minimum, a 9-11 style commission Nothing. I'm not yeah. hearing anything. Do you have confidence that at least Jim Jordan will do this as chairman of the oversight committee? I'm hoping so. You know, we, we mentioned him and a few others by name in there, and it's because they have typically been some of the more courageous people in Congress on this stuff. Um, I'm hopeful. You know, I would welcome a call from Jim. Uh, he hasn't spoken with us on any of this stuff, uh, which is odd because he's actually, uh, he was my representative until just a year or so ago, and then we redistricted him, so he's no longer my rep. But, um, you know, I would welcome talking to him. I think he's done a great job. He's been outspoken on this stuff. You know, it's, it, we are hoping to help. The Republicans, you know, they put it out there. They wanted to make an issue. And I'm gonna, I want to, I actually want to high five Ron Johnson. Okay. So Senator Johnson, has been the one guy he and and louis gohmert are the uh, probably but but johnson especially has been the one guy who every time i have something new he'll take a look at it because he actually cares 
Yeah, he he actually cares about this. He is in this. I, I feel like he is really, you know, advocating for the people. The guy's a hero. Um, I'm hoping that we talk to uh, Senator Paul on this. I know he's been a great leader in this fight to get get the truth out. But I'm going to be honest with you. What we did was we wrapped up the issue that they had said was an issue and put it put a bow on it and gave it to them. So now the question is, are they going to follow through with it or were they grandstanding? And I don't think, you know, I think some of these guys, I believe, want to follow through with it. I do. I'm sure there's a few that it would that were grandstanding. But, the, you know, the, now's the time to find out. But the way we find out is this. Everybody says, why do you spend so much time as a lawyer doing media and things like that? Well, because as a lawyer, when I go into court, I can't change the law in court. I can't give immunity. I can't do the, you know, those sorts of things in court are not, they're not within the power of a lawyer. We can sue over the law as it is, but we can't change the law. Yeah. The law needs change. We need, we need political action on this. And so I'm using my position as a lawyer and what I know how to do as a lawyer to facilitate uh, political pressure, frankly. And what I need now, and I need this, I need every single listener that you have to help me make this as viral on Twitter, on Truth Social, on social media, on everything as humanly possible. I need to make sure that these Congress people see it. Listen, it doesn't take much for you to share a tweet. You know, at Renz Tom on, uh, on Twitter, at Tom Renz on Truth Social, at Tom Renz on uh, Getter, uh, at Renz Law on CloudHub. It doesn't take anything for you to share this. It, if there's, if you can at least help share and comment and talk about this, if you can help this be as viral and known as possible, that creates political pressure. We need that help. We need this everywhere because it's the only way that we actually get to the guys who are behind it. It's not just Fauci. Fauci's a crook, but someone paid him off. Yes. And those are the people we got to get to. Yes. And, and I think we're going to find out that, uh, it's more in DOD land than even HHS land, and that's that's what's oh, yeah. very disconcerting because you know Republicans never seem to want to go there, but that's exactly where we need to go for all this. Before I let you go, um, are there any other irons you have in the fire You know, in this quest to keep this going, to push a Nuremberg, whether it's in the courts, whether it's in Congress, whether it's in state legislatures? to keep this alive, all analogs of this, the cause of the virus, who was behind it, the response to it, the hospital treatment, um, the vaccines, the therapeutics, what they're planning next. You know, do you have any yeah. other irons in the fire that, that you think we could look forward to? Oh, yeah, I, I have a lot of irons in the fire. Um, you know, remember, COVID was done, and you. I want to clarify this. You said the DOD. Okay, so all, all these contracts, a ton of these contracts, a ton of this stuff was all done through DOD. You won't find HHS behind the, the contracts for a lot of these vaccines and such. It was DOD. And the reason is DOD's got different procurement and disclosure rules so they can keep it secret, call it national mm. security. This is DOD. HHS was, a, they were, you know, their corrupt cover. But this was a, this was a military industrial complex thing. And I'm going to tell you that we have a lot of things under work in the works. We're going to continue going after this. And also, let me clarify one thing. When I talk about the intelligence community, remember, that's not just CIA. That's also DIA, which is the Defense Intelligence yes. Agency. And by the way, CIA, DIA both own and control the, the FBI. I mean, it, the FBI is absolutely in there. When Obama left, office, one of the things that he did before he left was he fired all of the bureaucratic brass and replaced them with his guys. That's the real swamp that Donald Trump was fighting. That's the real swamp that is at war with America. That's the real swamp that we've got to get to. They all hide behind the national security apparatus, and they do it because they know the Republicans don't ever want to question that. But here's the deal. We can support our soldiers while, while, while attacking the bureaucracy. I am 100% as big of a patriot and big of a supporter of our military as possible. But these guys are killing our troops. These guys aren't loyal to our military. 
These guys are loyal to themselves. Look what they're doing to our troops. We need to stand up for the guys who are actually on the front lines who are getting sh- willing to take the bullets. The guys sitting in the Pentagon aren't going to ever take a bullet. The nope, but they'll make them take a bullet for Ukraine or something and then uh, jab yes, them with will. shots while giving you know $70 billion right. to Ukraine. Uh, but they don't have to get the shots in return for the money. But um, we're out of time, Thomas. Uh, thanks so much for what you do. Again, rens-law.com is where you guys could find all of this. i got to run to a media hit. So, folks, till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.